So if we put the right content in front of these people at that very young age, because I mean, they have access to YouTube kids, they have access to TikTok, they're watching TV, they're on Netflix. If we put the right information to them at such a young age, it will change their worldview. It will change their perspective. It will actually shape what they can aspire to be. A lot of my childhood was curated and I guess that's probably why I think the way I think because like I said previously, I grew up in a bubble, right? But there are many people that we have to go out and reach, right? And we, we all need to do the work in reaching them. Welcome back to another season of Third Culture Africans. I'm proud to say Africa's number one award-winning career and entrepreneurship podcast voted for by you at the African Podcast and Voice Awards. I am Zezuriaki Sal, your host. I'm obsessed with all things entrepreneurship, and our show is dedicated to igniting your entrepreneurial journey, sharing resources, and giving you the tools to pursue your dreams fearlessly. We celebrate artistry and stories from those brave enough to create something and succeed, inspiring, motivating, and full of wonder. Discover how those who succeed do it. Your support helps make this show bigger and better. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and join our community with weekly newsletters curated just for you. Let's connect on Instagram and Facebook at Third Culture Africans. Sit back, relax, and let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Third Culture Africans. This week's guest is a woman in tech, a speaker, an author, and has built a career nine to five and also a five to nine with entrepreneurship. She's passionate about engineering, STEM, tech, development of software, and all the techie bits. And our guest this week is Adora Wodo. Welcome to the episode, Adora. Thank you. (laughs) I guess we had like a quick chat before um, jumping into recording this episode. And um, while my first degree is in informatics, I feel like technology today has evolved somewhat and I won't age myself by saying when I graduated but it is well over a decade and things have <laughs> things have moved on quite significantly a friend of mine from university reminded me that we graduated university coming up to two decades ago and I thought geez crazy. I can't be that old <laughs> because I don't feel that old And one of my favorite rap albums was released 22 years ago. And I thought, no way. Like, how am I that old? Like, officially grown folk music. And the same with tech, I think, and and the space that you're operating in. I think just for clarity and for everyone who, like me, doesn't understand this STEM ecosystem, do you mind just telling us what STEM is? Okay, uh... STEM is, uh, like, the full meaning of STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, mm-hmm. And nowadays, we find most of all the science-related career paths, so STEM career paths. So when you think science, technology, engineering, math, you think studying math, you know, or 
physics or aerospace engineering or medicine, you know, different fields in that space. These are like different STEM careers. So I'm a software engineer, for example, and I work in technology. So you would say that I work in the field of STEM, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's how I would generalize it. STEM is pretty much science, technology, engineering, and math-related career paths. So in in the age of AI, um, what role does a STEM career sort of give you in terms of options? I mean, AI is part of technology, right? Technology birthed AI, if we think about it. So you can think about it in the context of building AI, or you can think about it in the context of adopting or using AI, right? So if you are building AI, for example, you have a STEM career because you work in tech, you are building the AI infrastructure, you are building the data models, you are building the technologies that other people are, you are building the technologies on AI that other people are using, right? In other STEM careers as well, they could be in the context of like using the AI. I'm going to use even technology as an example. We are software engineers now. We're builders of AI and we're also like customers and users of AI. When you think of things like co-pilots making it easier for people to write code and debug code better, you know, making it making peer programming a lot better. When you even think of how people are using ChatGPT as their personal Stack Overflow. Stack Overflow used to be the website that people go to when they have programming questions and they post the question there and someone else is answering the question for them. But nowadays, people are just asking ChatGPT, hey, I wrote this code, I have this error, please can you help me? Right. So people are, you know, as people in STEM, some people are building, other people are using AI. There's also, I don't remember the name of the business, but there's a, I know of a doctor that went to get a a master's degree in something data related. And now he's building something on top of AI to make it so that people use less paper when they're dealing with medicine. I don't know. I don't really know like the full story, but this is something that I read um, off NVIDIA's blog, right? Um, Because he's building what he's building on top of NVIDIA's technology, right? And this is in the space of health tech. So they're like different things, right? Um, When it comes to like STEM careers in the context of artificial intelligence, if you think of driverless cars as well, if you think of like autonomous vehicles, um, there's there's AI, there's a lot of AI programming and sensor programming and, you know, Internet of Things basically as well that goes into that, right? So goes into creating such vehicles. If you think of aerospace engineering as well, space travel, there's a lot of um, machine learning as well as artificial intelligence, AI ML that goes into that. So there's different things, right? Um, yeah, that's how I would put it, actually. I think um, we're in an age where, I guess, STEM skills are highly valued. Um, I came across this article um, or 
of um, Citadel and Citadel Securities paying their summer interns something like $120 an hour, um, which works out to be $19,200 a month pre-tax for a typical 40-hour work week. Um, and then there's alongside that the conversation about AI making making us humans redundant. Um, I guess before we kind of dive into more on, I guess, where we're going in the future, um, I think I want us to sort of touch on one, how you got into, I guess, your career in tech, um, especially software engineering and cloud engineering. So you were born in Nigeria. And at what point did you decide, okay, tech is where I want to be? Was there like a pivotal moment that kind of spurred you on into that that career choice? I don't know if I should call it a pivotal moment because it started with interest and it kept growing over time. It took years, right? It took a decade plus, if I'm being very honest, because this is something that, I mean, it took a decade plus of loving tech and being interested in tech and learning programming and telling everybody I wanted to be a programmer or a computer scientist. That's what I used to call it at the time. Into getting... Mm, I was about to say it was it was computer science and IT when you were talking about STEM. And I was thinking, <laughs> hmm, in my days, that was IT. We just called it all IT. <laughs> and you could be... Like my degree at the time was described as something between software engineering and computer science. Um, and then there was the wave of informatics for a while. Um, so yeah, sorry, <laughs> that, that just popped into my mind. As you touched on it, I, I was going to say earlier, and then I thought... Mm, not very like you know this very uh, millennial of me to want to throw in something like that I mean like it was computer science at the time to be honest it was computer science and IT there were a lot of all these IT institutions that you go to learn how to code it wasn't mm -hmm. the way it is now it's like it's actually right what's happening now with all these coding institutions and things like that is pretty similar to what used to happen back in the day so it's it's quite interesting to see history repeating itself in a different way but it, it's funny right uh but I, I i got introduced to computers when i was like six years old my dad brought so you know when people go to their when they go to their offices they hear their colleagues talk about different things so i'm sure he heard from one of his colleagues that oh computers are going to be very very big or something i don't know but he brought computers home and then he's like oh um i want my children to learn how to use computers so he was sending i have two older brothers right so he was sending them to computer school so he's like oh when you go to computer school you learn all the things and you come back to the house and you use the computer and I was going to go to computer school, but I wasn't old enough. I was still like six or something. And the rule is like, oh, when you're 13 in our house. And I'm like, I, mean, I cannot wait till I'm 13. No, don't be angry. So, and the funny thing is like, when I was growing up, right, my brothers and I were like really close. We used to play together a lot, you know, outside, play football, play catcher, all these games that you play as children, right? And then they bought computers. And next thing, my brothers are no longer playing with me. It really hurts, right? So... They started playing with their computers. So I went to meet them and I'm like, okay, let's all be playing with this computer together since she didn't want to play with me anymore. So like that was how we started 
they taught me how to like you know use computers and the more i learned the more fascinated i was right and it was at that point that i'm just like yeah definitely this is what i want to do with my life and even when i went into secondary school thankfully i went to like a really good secondary school that branded itself at the time as and i think it was to be fair the first e-learning school in africa so we had can we, can we shout school. can we shout them out corona ah. <laughs> so I went, to, I went to corona <laughs> We're about so, to start school wars on this episode. <laughs> so for everyone who went to a rival school who didn't think Corona were, were it, uh, yeah. Well, what's the rival school? Um, <laughs> there were so many. Yes, yeah, there were so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Atlantic Hall, yeah, yeah. yeah, they'll be all right. But yeah, guys, I think guys, chime awesome. in and, and, and throw, in, throw in a comment with this episode. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think I think Corona is awesome. And like we had laptops in school and I was like with my ICC classes, still using my laptops. I was writing code at the time. I was actually the computer girl. I hated that tag in my set because I was one of those people that if anybody, or rather I, was, I wasn't one of the people, I was the person. So like if anybody had an issue with their computer around maybe browsing something on the internet or even fixing something that's broken like i used to install and uninstall drivers i used to play around with computers at some point i was even tinkering with like hardware right that's how interested in computing i was and you know i became that person i was the music and computer girl in my sense actually when it comes to song song lyrics i was also the girl <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to computers i was also that girl yeah and the math girl as well mm. yeah uh, when it come when it came to math as well, I was that girl. So, I mean, it was clear that this is what I wanted to do with my life. So it was a gradual process, you know, from like when I was six, that you know, computing piqued my interest, and over time, I was very interested in computing and computers and things like that. And when I got into, you know, when it was time to choose what I wanted to study in university, I chose computer science. And I went ahead, you know, to study computer science in university. I have a CS degree. So I wasn't one of those people that, you know, transitioned into technology. It's like I had known since, not since I knew my name, because I knew my name when I was like <laughs> one year, two years old. But I had known since I was still a child and yeah. I didn't know much about life that what I wanted out of life was to be using computers every day for the rest of my life, which is quite interesting because that's now what I do. Yes. And you graduated with a first class honors. Yes, I did. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that one is for all the Nigerian parents. She has a first class. Yeah. <laughs> she has a Actually, first class. <laughs> it was it was mostly for bragging rights. It was so that you know, up till today, it's something I still you know use against my dad whenever he wants to be funny. It's like. I'm your first class baby and I'm your last born. Like, <laughs> yeah. So basically, like it's for bragging rights and that's what it is. But um, I'm not saying that first class is not amazing. I love school, so I'll always tell people academic excellence is great. But I also tell people that academic excellence is not the only excellence. So don't feel like, oh, because you didn't finish with a first class, you are not anything. And don't also feel like, oh, First class is not everything. So if you finish with a first class, you are not really that smart. You're just mm, brilliant. Mm. There's no need for all of that competition. Like everybody can be different, do their own things and excel in life in different ways. And that's how I see it really. It's like, yes, I finished with a first class. 
it doesn't matter now in my career because of the path that I chose, right? However, if I wanted to go back into academia, because I have a first class, I'm going to be able to get right into a PhD without a master's degree. So if I wanted to do a PhD in AI today, if I find a professor that would sponsor my research, I can start my PhD today without having a master's degree. Maybe when I start the PhD for my first year, I'll be focused on doing an MPhil because I need that, you know, thing. But like after that, I would be done and I would go straight into my PhD. So apart from the fact that it is for bragging rights, there are also moments when that first class is very useful to you, depending on the path you want to take but it doesn't mean that if you don't have it your career you know is not a good career i know a lot of people that are doing amazingly well in their different fields that don't even have any kind of degree because they did not finish the university i know lots of people that have also gone into the university studied a different course like economics and today they are software engineers. They're product designers. Yeah, yeah speaking to one one such person. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> Where my first degree is in informatics, and apart from being handy with you know the tech stuff um, with my businesses, uh, I do something completely different. My day job is making creams, and I've got this show, and 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 and. But that's ev- actually really amazing. Every skill is useful. So that's that's like my thing, which is it, you might not see how it's going to be helpful today, but you can use every skill set you pick up along the way at some point in your career. So you've been you've been sort of behind, you know, a few groundbreaking projects and initiatives how and you started talking about like options in terms of careers etc how did you find your way into the industry uh how did i find my way into the industry so post your first you had that piece of paper that says look i know my i know my stuff around computer science and then getting into the industry is is something else right because you know graduates all finish at the same time and everyone's applying for jobs how did you find your way into the industry? Um, so for the sake of this conversation, I want to note that I am kind of a nepo, a kind of a nepo baby, right? Okay. Um, but um, that wasn't my way in. So my my dad wanted to get me because at that time in Nigeria, tech was more IT mm-hmm. than software engineering, if we're being honest. Like you know, networking, engineering, a lot of all these things. And my dad wanted me to go work in a bank for my internship, right? Like, that was the plan. Oh, you start at this bank, you do your internship there. When you graduate, you go back. And, like, he had spoken to, like, his friends. They had said, oh, yeah, bring your daughter. You know, everything was fine. And then I just woke up and, like, didn't go. Mm, (laughs) Wow. And, obviously, I, I could do that because I felt like I had options. I felt like... I want to do the thing that I want to do. And if for whatever reason I'm not able to do it, I always have this... I don't want to mention the bank so that people now don't go to Google and start doing the one that nobody sends them to do because I'm a very private person about mm-hmm. my life, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I wanted to just, like, not... I wanted to do something that I really wanted to do because I knew that, okay, if all my plans failed, I had I had something to fall back on. So 
I obviously was very stubborn about, you know, going, taking that internship. Because, you know, when you do computer science, computer science in Unilag was five years. And in your fourth year, you are supposed to go and do an internship, right? Mm. So that was what that was about. It's like, oh, do this internship in this place. And during that time for me, what I just started doing was going around the whole of Lagos looking for who would hire me. I had a mentor at the time that I had met in idea hub um so like i used to do this thing where from like my third year which was like 2014 when they're having any meetup um 2014 2015 right when they're having any meetup in cc hub or idea hub i'll go you know so like i used to be one of those cc hub um like the office space i'll be there the rooftop once in a while i'll be there in idea hub i'll be there my mentor used to work at idea hub at the time so he was telling me that, oh, these are like a list of companies that I think you can apply to. If you need help, I would recommend you, blah, 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 blah. So I started going. I went to like a few of those places. But again, because I sort of felt like I had options, I wasn't going to take anything that was going to stress me out. So I went somewhere that was on the island and I live on the mainland. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not I'm not about to put myself through this mainland to island stress every day for the rest of my life. Or at least for six months. So I was trying different things and then I found an opportunity through a classmate that there was an agency hiring female software engineers, female developers at the time. They're looking for like interns. And I went to the agency, you know, I wrote the exam, I passed, and that was how, because they didn't do interviews, they did an exam. I wrote the exam, I passed, and that was how I got the offer. The offer was very small, right? (laughs) It was 15K they were paying, but Mm. I didn't care. Mm. And the bank was going to pay me like 60K or 70K, I don't remember. I I didn't care. Because for me, it's like I'm still collecting money from my parents anyway. So even if people hire me for free, at this point, I'm not even looking for someone that will pay me. I just really wanted to get my foot in the door because I wanted to do these things by myself. Like, you know, I don't know how many people can relate to this, but a lot of parents, when they give birth to you, you know, like they map out your life, (laughs) how they want your life to be. Right. No, I love my Doctor, parents. I love them. Accountant, so. engineer. <laughs> no, even so so there's there's mm. some people that say, Oh, I wish for my child to be a doctor. Mm. But there are parents that will tell you you would go to school and study medicine and when you graduate, I will build this hospital for you. That's the kind of person my father was. So it's like, oh, First of all, he wanted me to study law. I rebelled and studied computer science. And then it's like, okay, since you're going to study this computer science, you will work in this bank and then you will do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Right. So it was like one of those things. And I really, 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 really wanted to prove to them that I could do this on my own. So that drive actually came from somewhere. It just didn't pop up. If I'm being very honest, I wouldn't sit around and tell you that, oh, I have drive, I'm I have I'm a tenacious person, blah blah blah. I mean I am, but there's a reason. And that was my reason at the time. Like I just really, really, really wanted to do this thing on my own and succeed so that I'm not a failure and my parents don't laugh at me because I chose to do it my way as opposed to theirs. Right. So I got my first job. It wasn't paying much, it was paying 15k. But I worked there, and as I worked there, everybody like liked me um 
they liked my work ethic, you know, they liked the fact that I would always deliver on tasks and things like that. I was like a sweetheart. And I was also like the youngest person on the team. So I was kind of now like the last born or the baby of the office. And it's like, okay, this girl is the baby of the office, but Omo, her work does not look like a baby at all. Right. So there was like that. And I remember that that was my first time experiencing real life mm. because I can't be spoiled if I'm being very honest. I don't want to say I am spoiled so that people don't say, uh-huh, but I can't be spoiled sometimes. Right. And I remember that during that period, I started interacting with different kinds of people because in offices, right, in organizations, it's, it's not only privileged people that have jobs. Everybody is trying to make ends meet. Everybody is trying to figure out their way around a bunch of things, right? So in that office, there was even one person there that was like the child of like a very rich, rich, rich man. There were like a bunch of other people that, you know, had connections. And there were people that just needed their lives to make sense. And I I saw the diversity for the first time because I've cre- I created, prior to that, I was in a bubble and I didn't even know that I was in a bubble, right? Mm. I saw real life in front of me. These are people, they're different kinds of people going through different kinds of things. And I remember that at the end of my internship, when I was supposed to be having an exit interview. So they are like, oh, we really like you working with us. If there's anything you want us to do, let us know, blah, blah, blah. I said, the one thing you will do for me now is that you won't sack me. Because I I became afraid. <laughs> I became afraid that ah, if I lost... Like, if I lost this job because I had to go back to school after my internship. Why did you feel that? I felt that because it was a very small company, right? They had budgets. They could only hire how many people. And it was very hard for me to even get that role in the first place. Do you think that was influenced by you being female in tech? Or or were there other barriers at the time? it had nothing to do with my gender. Let's just, let's be very honest. At that time, there were not many people doing tech in Nigeria. This was like, what, 2016? I mean, Paystack had just come. Before, prior to that, we only had, what, InterSwitch. How many people are they going to take in a year? Let's be honest. Except I was going to go back to the bank that I fought my father for, which is me going back, which is me, which is me holding on to what I had that was very different and allowed me to do software engineering, right? I'm like, this is the only thing I know for now. I'm not going to let it go. So for me, it's, it was, I want to keep working for you people. Yeah, I want to keep working for you because I don't want the one that I will graduate now and I will attempt to come back into this place and people will tell me, oh, I'm sorry, we've hired somebody else and we don't have budget because they were a pretty small company, right? So for me, it was like, I want to keep working for you people. I want to hold this job so that if you need to hire somebody instead of hiring you cuckoo promotes me like that was my mindset not saying that's the best mindset but that was what was in my head at that point in my life and i stayed there so in my final year i became a working student i had a job and i was in school i was still working with them and i had a business as well i don't know how i handled all those things because i had like i used to have like a fashion i had a made in nigeria shoe brand so i had like shoemakers I had, like, people used to go place orders, you know, they would place an order for, like, you know, dress shoes, whether it's a monk strap or or brogue shoes or loafers, 
will make the shoes, we'll get the order, we'll make the shoes, we'll deliver. So I had, I was running that business at the time Hustling. as well. And it taught me mm. a lot, to be fair, right? So it's like, I was running that business, I was in school and I was, I had a job in my final year. So it was pretty mm. hard for me to balance all those things out, but I did. And when I came out of my final year, when I had graduated, I went back to that company because I had never left. So it now became a thing of, okay, we're changing your 15K to 150K because now you are full-time with us. You are no longer a, you know, you're no longer an intern. We're not paying you a stipend. Now we're paying you a salary, right? And like, you know, that was how I started working there. And obviously as I started working and I had more fuller responsibilities and I started interacting with other clients. Around that time as well was when I started community work um, full-time. I mean, I had been involved in the tech community longer than that. Because like I said, I used to go to CC Hub and Idea when I was still a student. But like I wasn't contributing because I was really just focused on my books. But I started contributing to tech communities like when I was now properly working. I had a job as a software developer and I felt like, you know, might as well just right and also for a selfish selfish reason as well which was that i wanted to learn how to be a good public speaker Mm. because i had lost opportunities because i didn't know how to speak in public right which is another story (laughs) because it's very long (laughs) because it's very Mm. long but like i got into the industry through you know getting through those steps that i took through getting that my first full-time job because I was already there as an intern. So it was just like a promotion that got me in. And then at that time, I now, you know, started getting involved with like communities as well, giving talks. People were noticing me as I was giving talks. I was posting things on LinkedIn. I was giving technical advice. I was writing articles because I mean, I was already working. So I had things to write about. And, you know, from there, I was growing and a lot more people in the industry were noticing me and I was getting mentors and I still had that my mentor as as well. The one I said that I met in Idea Hub at the time, you know, years back. And so it was just like a factor of like these different things. And so it wasn't a thing of, oh, I got a big break and boom, I'm, I'm there. It was like a series of small steps made consistently over time that got me to where I am right I mean I don't like saying where I am because it feels when you say where you are it feels like the journey has ended I still have a long way to go right <laughs> but it's like a series of like you know consistent steps, small steps yeah, that, I've that you can build on right yeah now. yeah thank you that's um amazing are there any sort of specific experiences or insights that you have on sort of breaking through the barriers as a woman in tech. Like you talked about, you know, essentially equipping yourself to be good at your job. Um, And I think a lot of people um, confuse what getting a job is, right? So I, I sort of mentioned at the beginning of the episode that there is this whole debate around sort of the role AI plays in 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 jobs for the future and the next few generations coming. And, you know, as long as you can do something that a computer can't, you're relevant. And 
you know, you mentioned the writing of the articles, putting yourself out there, working on being able to speak and inspire other people, helping other people. Those are all sort of important skills that help you stand out, essentially, right? I think, you know, the, the buzzword for it is entrepreneurship while, while you have a job. But then doing that in a space that's very male-dominated, apart from, you know, as you said, the confidence to be able to speak, was there anything else that you found helpful in navigating that? To be honest, I've not had the same experience as many women in tech have had. And when I say it sometimes, like, rather, let me put it like this, sometimes I don't like to say these things because depending on who you're talking to, they'll say you are like that you're tone deaf or something, right? Um, one thing I would say, though, is that I've seen that support systems are really helpful, right? Um and that's why one of the reasons why I even created, even beyond creating Nexa Scale, I've created Nexa Scale Women because not everyone is going to be like me. Not everyone has, you know, that self-esteem instilled into them. Not everyone has that exposure from growing up that makes them know that I'm what I can be, what I want and who I want to be. And nobody can tell me nothing, right? Some people need that extra push. So you know, being able to create a safe space for people, being able to inspire them, motivate them. We need more role models as well. Like if you go to schools now, for example, and you tell girls, okay, which girl do you want to be like? Because if you want to say, who do you want to be like? They'll most likely mention a a bunch of men. But if you say, which girl do you want to be like? They'll most likely say, and I've done this before in a secondary school that I went to speak at. You'll most likely hear them say, Ayasta, Rihanna, Oprah, Michelle mm. Obama, right? These are women doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about STEM, none of them are in STEM, <laughs> right? So one thing we need to do is also create, because it helps a lot, right? You see people going into professions that they... I know, I, I know how many people have told me computer science is a man's course but it never stopped me from doing it right but there are many other women that you will tell because maybe for me because i'm the only girl in the midst of men anyway i'm like if it's a man's course that's the men's problem i'm doing it and it actually showed in my class well there were like 70 guys and like what 14 girls or something ridiculous like the ratio was insane i don't remember the exact number but like the ratio was insane right and if there are some other people that you will tell, there's some other women that you will tell computer science is a man's course and they'll say, okay, let me go and do another thing then, right? So we need more female role models. And that's why I'm very happy that we now have platforms like yours and other, you know, tech media platforms as well that showcase women, that are doing amazing work as role models because we need to get these young girls to see them. It's very easy to catch them young. To be honest, computers caught me young. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, <laughs> there's TikTok and everything else. So techno- technology has an incredible but penetration rate. Yeah, exactly. So if we put the right content in front of these people at that very young age, because, I mean, they have access to YouTube kids, they have access to 
TikTok, they are watching TV, they are on Netflix. If we put the right information to them at such a young age, it will change their worldview. It will change their perspective. It would actually shape what they can aspire to be, right? So that's one thing I would say, and that's how I will put it. A lot of my childhood was curated, and I guess that's probably why I think the way I think, because like I said previously, I grew up in a bubble, right? But there are many people that we have to go out and reach, right? And we we all need to do the work in reaching them. That's great advice. You briefly mentioned um, Nexus, and I guess we can talk about your current work and how that has translated into your work with Nexus Scale, Nexa Women, and then I think we can talk about Adora Hack, which is your YouTube venture, which in true form, you're keeping busy. <laughs> so I will talk about Nexus Scale for a bit, right? Technically, Nexus Scale is over a year uh nexa scale is about let's say 17 months old or something but obviously because nexa scale was previously known as adora hack study groups and that is what's you know got rebranded to nexa scale earlier this year in may so adora hack study groups was what i created last year and i moved it out of adora hack study groups into nexa scale because Adora Hack is supposed to be my home for content creation, you know, where I put my videos, where my blog is, my Instagram videos, my YouTube videos, you get. So adding Nexa Scale, which is a community under it, or rather adding the study group at that time, which was a community, felt weird. <laughs> so that's why I did the rebrand, also because I wanted to do more with what is now Nexa Scale. And it started off as an idea to help people get their technical questions answered. So one thing I'd noticed is that on Stack Overflow, if you ask what's a simile in stupid question, somebody will probably insult you that you're asking a stupid question. If you go and ask that question on Twitter, Twitter code reviewers that would come and even tell you that, oh, this is your code, which was not even what you were asking a question about. Maybe if you're asking a question about something on line 17, they will look at what is on line 21 and they'll be like, uh-uh, you wrote rubbish here now. And most times... Software developers on Twitter, they do these things in a condescending manner, right? So I just wanted to create a space for people. I just wanted to create a space for people to be able to have their technical questions answered in a safe space, study together, peer program together, you know, when the need arises and things like that. And I did that, right, with Adora Hack Study Groups. But one thing I've noticed in my career as I've been growing and, you know, creating a book, because even before Adora Hack, Study Groups and Nexa Skill, there's a lot that I have done, like that I have built or like work that I have done or places that I've, you know, done some public speaking at, you know, different things. And people just reach out to me with their resumes to say, I've, I've done Coursera, I've done Udemy. I want a scholarship to do Udacity and I am a cloud engineer or a web developer and I'm trying to get a job. This is my CV. Please help me. <laughs> and when you get like people in like hundreds of people reaching out to you, asking you the same question, you start to think that this is a recurring problem. So I sat down and I'm like, okay, you know what? We're going to rebrand Adora Hack Study Groups into something bigger so that we can accommodate helping 
people like this, right? So we created Nexa Skill as a way to connect people to opportunities. I've hired for some startups before. Like I've rec- they've reached out to me because there was a time I tweeted um, that, hey, I'm collating a directory of entry-level and mid-level engineers. Please fill this form. And a lot of people filled the form. So because of that, a bunch of startup founders, early stage, started reaching out to me when they're looking for talent because they knew that I had that form of people, right? This was something I did in 2020, right? So they knew I had the directory of people. So people were reaching out to me and people, a lot of people got hired off that thing. So I was like, I want to do this again, replicate this model, help a lot of people get hired. The ones we can help get hired we have a lot of, we can create like a lot of projects for like internship programs, put people in teams, simulate work experience and hire them to work in those simulated work experience projects that we've created, right? We've done these things personally and we've also done these things in partnership with other companies as well, like Colab. So Colab just does simulated work, simulated remote work experience globally. So there are people that we sponsor to go into Colab and there's some other people that we hire internally as Nexa Skills to build. We have PMs on ground, you know, so we would hire developers, designers, and they'll just build stuff, right? Build and maintain that stuff. And it's part of their work experience in their resume because it's a project that is built by the community for the community. Most of our projects are not projects. They are not like to-do apps where... People build those things and, and it's locked in your GitHub. Nobody is ever using it. These are projects that have real life users, right? So that was the main reason why we created Nexa Skills so that people get access to job opportunities as they are waiting to get like their big break. And, you know, these work opportunities can add as valid work experience for them. So we're connecting them to opportunities that help them start their careers eventually. Um now, recently, we've created Nexa Skill Women as well because women do need a safe space anywhere they are, right? You know, like we said initially, we need to motivate them. We need to connect them to opportunities. We need to inspire them and show them role models that they can be like. So even beyond what we do at Nexa Skill, we have other kinds of sessions for these women. Sessions on financial literacy, sessions on personal branding, you know, things that are supposed to help women beyond the technical community that we've created. Um, so yeah, that's all that we do in a nutshell, basically. That is incredible. And also sharing, uh, hearing your contributions to the tech world. Now, I guess looking ahead, what would you say is one of or some of the most exciting and promising trends in the tech industry in Africa, you know, we've seen the sort of unicorn stories come out. Um, there's the investment with, you know, Facebook looking at African talent. There's the whole Jatwa economy happening at the moment where there's this recognition of the world seeing that out of Africa, there is lots of sort of tech talent. What do you see as the most exciting and promising for, for, for the continent uh, in the tech industry? And, and how do you think that will shape 
our future moving forward? The median age in Africa is about 19, if I'm not mistaken. And we're seeing a lot of young people do amazing things, you know, later millennials, Gen Zs, doing like really, 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 really amazing things, right? From we're seeing like, you know, young founders to young people taking the global stage to, you know, talk about technology, teach technology. We're seeing young creators. So I'm seeing a lot happening. And, you know, I mean, apart from the fact that, like you said, we've heard the VC stories, there's, you know, Africa being an emerging market and people are currently looking at Africa when it comes to doing business in some cases, depending on the kind of business. There's that. And there's also the young people that are really doing amazing things when you think of the creator economy, you think of creators in Africa, a lot of young people today are dominating that space across YouTube and TikTok. It's amazing. When you think of engineering as well, you see young people getting into global companies as well. Let's not even talk about, like you said, there's also the Japa wave as well, which is also a thing, which is, there's the Japa wave and there's also, you know, the younger people in Nigeria being like a very huge amount of the global remote workforce right so there's like different bits and i honestly cannot choose one but i just really wanted to point out the load like the different loads of amazingness currently happening in this scene um i i don't know how to choose one if i had to choose but i think everything that i've mentioned deserves you know the different accolades because they're really 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 amazing things before we wrap up do you have any advice for a young african who's aspiring to pursue a career in technology you've obviously created resources to help that happen you know you have the two books that you've written one independently the other with a publisher um, and I'm sure many, many, many other projects in the works. What advice would you give someone who is young and African wanting to pursue a career in technology? I will tell them to have an open mind, to keep helping people, because like you should help people, you should add value in different ways, right? So that when people think of you, they know that, they are at a net loss for not having you around, right? Keep learning, add value, don't be afraid. See, I posted a tweet about career audacity a couple of days ago because I remembered one thing that someone, one of my friends, used to be mentor now friend, told me, rather not told me, told somebody and I was there and I heard it. And what he said was, if you don't, if you don't attempt to bite what, more than what you can chew, you never really know how big your mouth is. And I was like, this thing that you've said is facts when you think about it. Because it's like, you know, chase those lofty goals, things that you think are unattainable. If you don't meet them, that's fine. But where you would fall would be equally amazing at the end of the day. So build relationships, always learn help people and helping people also ties back into building relationships and have audacity to be honest um those are things that i would tell you to do obviously if you have audacity it means that you would not 
be afraid or procrastinate your career because you feel like you don't have what it takes you would start it today right so yeah i think those are like the things that i would say and now more than ever it's a lot better than when i was trying to start my tech career because there are a lot of people that have created resources on the internet there are lots of people on the internet that just want to help you right those things did not really exist as much in my time if we're being honest we have a lot more people transitioning into tech now that we did in my time because the ecosystem didn't have that kind of support as much support as it does today so one thing i would tell you is that you should take advantage of all of these community supports you know yeah you mentioned udemy even youtube Um, not even not even like even beyond like because i mean we've always had youtube like mm -hmm. youtube is one thing that helps me a lot in my computer science career my computer science degree you Mm. know the indian youtubers saves the day (laughs) if i'm being very honest Mm. right so for me it's not even a conversation of you know youtube or udemy or things like that it's like the communities like i said at that time cc hub was just you know becoming a thing you know idea hub as well becoming a thing it's not now that you have physical communities and you also have virtual communities like oh if you want to go to maybe if you're in enugu for example you want to go to genesis tech hub you can if you are in lagos you can do things with um nest hub as well or you can go to zone tech park those are like physical places that you can go and then if you think of virtual spaces you can also think of like communities like nexa scale if you're a woman, you can join Nexa Scale Women. You can join She Code Africa. There are many GDG chapters around the world that you can join. You know, these things weren't things that were very profound at that time, you know, in the early 2000s or, yeah. you know, and, leading up to the 2010s. And, and right? you also so, mentioned something important, which was remote learning, you know, remote learning, the remote workforce. I think, if anything, COVID supercharged and turbocharged us into understanding that our spare time uh, and extra time in front of our devices can be used for for more than consuming and for more than consuming entertainment. Yeah, like we've seen people not even only remote learning and the remote workforce. Like we've seen people. I think it's interesting how. Nobody really talks about this a lot, but I think that there's also research that needs to be done around the creator economy and COVID. Because I think, like, if you think about it, everything, like, there was a boom from the period of COVID leading up until now, right? I'm not saying that we haven't had creators prior to COVID, but, like, we've had more creators that have become successful come up since then build digital products build digital content that people are consuming and enjoying so there's remote learning there's remote work there's remote content creation right you know prior to that time a lot of people would do um podcast recordings you know in physical spaces now we're doing a podcast recording online people are like oh i want to record an interview with you let's hop on zoom let's quickly do it let's use stream yeah let's get it done these weren't things that we're really and now we also have technology that is empowering this to make it happen as well so you can't talk about that and not talk about the tech too 
So it's it's just an amazing thing to see, really. Where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. I live there. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Adora Modo, which is A-D-O-R-A-N-W-O-D-O. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Adora Modo as well, A-D-O-R-A. N W O D O, and you can find me on Instagram at Adora Hack. So that's A D O R A H A C K. Adora Hack on Instagram, Adora Wodo on Twitter, and Adora Wodo on LinkedIn. And my YouTube channel is also making a comeback. I will do an official announcement when it is time to make an official announcement. So stick around for that because I'm going back into posting inspiring content that motivates people and help them build the lives that they want. Um, So yeah, stick around for that. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Adora, for sharing your inspiring journey and insights with us today. It's been a pleasure having you on Third Culture Africans. Guys, follow, like, subscribe, join the newsletter. We're trying to build a community of like-minded Africans who are shifting the needle across the world and hoping to build a community that helps us empower each other and inspire each other. Until next week, thank you so much for having me in your ears while you work out, while you work in your kitchen, wherever you might be listening. And thanks again, Adora, for joining us on this week's episode of Third Culture Africans. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to over 20,000 of you that have tuned in and have continued to tune in. Because of you, our show is now distributed on Vodacom Africa's platform, My Muse. Your support helps make this show bigger and better. If you're a fan of the show, we would love to know. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and join our community with weekly newsletters curated just for you. Check out our free resources on entrepreneurship, productivity, finance, and leadership at thirdcultureafricans.com. You can now catch special episodes with video on YouTube at Third Culture Africans. Let's connect on Instagram and Facebook at Third Culture Africans. Let's do this. <laughs>